Yeah, yeah. yeah from 2014. Oh, the vampire movie? Yeah. yeah. So the director of that movie, or co-director of that movie, and the star of that movie is the new director of the Thor movie coming yeah. out in November. So if it's if, if Thor is awesome. Thor's half as good as that movie, it's gonna be so good. So <laughs> who has a thought? Who has a topic? I, I think we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We've talked a lot about uh, uh, bashing the big two and, and, and publishers, and we've talked about um, uh, self-publishing and being creators on little titles and going places and selling books and, and marketing and that sort of thing. Uh, but we haven't talked about um, uh, one big sort of uh, branch of comics um, that I think gets overlooked a lot in these conversations, and that's web comics. Mm -hmm. Something that I'm incredibly interested in, and somebody in this room does a web comic. <laughs> so the spotlight's on you like now. I, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> None of us know what we're talking about. That's the point. <laughs> I thought you would have known that by now. <laughs> like that's ever stopped me. <laughs> yeah. uh, web comics. How do you do what you do? Um, I guess the main difference is that's just that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you make them the same way down to, you know, saving the file, and then you just find a way to put it up online at a somewhat regular schedule, usually. Um, there are some comics that don't, and they are still fairly successful. Um, you sound pissed about that. <laughs> I don't understand it. It's amazing. Um, and so you get the um, engagement every week from readers, and they give you feedback, they help pump you up for the next page, um, but it is a very difficult schedule to keep. It's, it's hard to take a break and, uh, and stop, stop updating for a while, and you do lose people every time you do that. It's, so it's kind of... You can lose people that quickly? Yeah, yeah I, I can watch my numbers go down if I have to take a break for a few weeks or a month or two months, depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. And then they don't, they haven't climbed back since the last break that I took. Do you so find that the feedback you get directs the story for you, or, or do you have a story in mind and you just do it? I do have a story in mind, but I do take feedback into account. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's um, really technical stuff that I can fix, uh, like the accents that I was spelling out phonetically in the beginning. A lot of people hated that. So I went back into the comic and I got rid of it in the first two issues. And, and some of it is um, story related. If I find that people aren't clear on something, um, I will try to clarify it fairly quickly, either in previous pages or um, I'll maybe reorder pages so that something comes sooner that explains everything. Um, and then sometimes they have given me good ideas as well to add in. So it's a great relationship. So it's like crowd editing. A little bit, yeah. Great. So I always thought that once the page is up, it's up, it lives there forever as it is, and you just move on. But you're saying, is it sort of like this living thing that you're constantly changing to make better as you go on? I am. I thought it was the same way too. It's pretty cool. But I found that I couldn't just leave it that way if a lot of people weren't happy with it. So I realized that oh, there's nothing stopping me. I can go back. I can change. So if I read your comic two years ago and then went back and, and read it all again right now, it would be different? 
Um, a like not a different so story, but there would be some differences. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sounds like a huge advantage because I mean, you had a you know web web series as well, right? With Wolf Pets, mm-hmm. Nick. Yeah. But you never never attacked it that way. No, because maybe because uh, it was a collaboration as well, not just one person. Yeah, partly because it's a collaboration, um, and I'd say like web comics have never been my focus. Like to me, the the print comic when that's out, it's it's done. And really, the Wolf Hands model was all about like just building numbers before the release. Like it's never been my priority. Um, but when I do print a comic, the only time I'll go back and change stuff is if like I forgot to put like a caption box or something. So it's like really messed up. Like this last book I put out, Late in the Royal Aquarium, I was reading it for the first time uh, since I edited it and an entire caption box was missing oh. right before a dot, dot, dot. And I was like, shit, I totally fucked up. So the next run, I had to put that caption box in. But my brother was like, whatever, man, I thought you were being artful. <laughs> 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 Probably nobody noticed it. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. So then, what about the like benefits versus? Because you you are you you do the print comics, and I mean, I think most of us think about print comics. So what, like, why should we think about web comics over print comics in that regard? In your opinion, the main reason I decided to do it that way instead of just releasing a print issue is because I'm very bad at marketing. I have a hard time tackling that, so this way, it's a way to kind of build an audience before you try to sell the book, and that, that was my main reason for choosing to do it that way. That's brilliant. Do you have any intention of actually uh, releasing it via print? Um, yeah, I'm doing it issue by issue, and I'm hoping to do a collected trade, either two parts or just all together when it's all done. I've got a friend who did that. He had Cosmic Scoundrels was online for a while, and then eventually... He had done a little bit of work for IDW, and then IDW just picked it up. So then if you wanted to attack a Kickstarter, I think having that online present from a webcomic would be a huge advantage. Yes. I think they said that the the most successful comic book Kickstarters are those that started as a webcomic. Yeah. I think that's that's actually that statistic somewhere. That makes sense. Maybe I'm making it up. It does. If I'm reading it and I'm going along, at some point I'm going to want it in my hands. I've never thought of uh, the idea of a webcomic as uh, marketing it as you go. I've, I've always thought of it as, you know, you have to now market that webcomic and then eventually you're going to print it or whatever the end goal is. Um, but that's brilliant. Never thought of it that way. And it, it almost doubles, you know, you're, you're making the stuff and you're uh, marketing it at the same time. It almost solves that problem. Do you have an idea, you know, like how many people have read it online and are still willing to buy it? Um, I know it's not a very high amount mm-hmm. yet, but it's certainly higher than if I had just gone to a convention, just shown up there with my book, because every now and then I will get someone who comes up and they've read it online, and they're looking for it. So that's always really exciting. So I'd like someone like you, Aaron. Aaron! Me? Would you consider something like the coal fire? I mean, you're, you're producing them there mini comics, right? Or Yeah. Yeah. At, the, the, at this point. With, yeah. Well, my book started as a digital download as well um, because it's it a PDF sold on download. Um, and I had heard I heard a lot about web comics. I hadn't I, I, and I guess I hadn't really wasn't really sure 
I think maybe the schedule of releasing every week might have um, was probably just probably scared the hell out of me. <laughs> you work slow. You work slow. You know. I work slow, and I worked in heat and watercolor. Um, and so, I mean, I think it's an excellent, like, um, space mullet. Uh, the guy who drew that, he kind of Daniel Warren Johnson. What's his name? Daniel Warren Johnson. Daniel Warren Johnson, yeah, this stuff is it's crazy. Um, there's, but there's lots of them. Um, I remember, I think it was, uh, there's a book called Girl Genius. Um, uh, and he, he, I can't remember the author, he used to work for Marvel as well, and he, he was doing this years ago, like he was one of the first web comics, and he swore by it um, because he just, like I say, he would put the work out for free, and then he said something around 10% of his audience would then buy everything he made, uh, like everything, every physical thing that he put out. It was something like 10%, and then maybe another 10% or, well, I don't, don't quote me, but would buy, you know, Book. But people often want the physical, the physical book. I have to be honest. The the PDF stuff is really there. It was for me. It was just a start. It was just a really easy way to start. I didn't have to figure out how to you know print the book or anything like that. It was just you know Gumroad makes it pretty straightforward. You just upload the PDF, and it's all you can also do it on your computer. Um, it sort of mostly just serves as a low-risk trial piece for people who just want to figure out you know, what this is. Uh, I do. I am also on this thing called Tabulet, uh, which is uh, it's out in the East Coast or in the East uh, of Montreal. Um, it's it's a indie comics platform, like like Comic Central, but not as good. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, I, you I, didn't say that, but I said that. For, I have found it to be an ex, like an experiment. Yeah. Um, and it's had mixed, it's had mixed results. And, you know, I like, um, yeah, I, I think the sense I get from audiences, at least in North America, because his, the tablet is based upon um, what's happening in uh, Asia, like Korea. Online comics in Korea, I think, are humongous, um, and people download them. They, the whole idea of getting it on your device is 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 key, like critical. Um, uh, but I, I'm finding that in North America, people want this whole book. It's just our culture, or whatever. It's our um, our habits, or uh, so I, I don't know. I, and so once I once I went to the book. Um, I mean, the people were interested in the PDF, but once I went to the book, uh, PDF sales just dropped off. So something like uh, these web comics, they use Patreon, or would you consider it Chelsea, or is it is that viable? Um, I know a lot of people are using it, and it completely takes care of their um, their overhead as far as hosting and things like that. Um, I'm intimidated because it means creating a lot more content. Mm -hmm. So that that is the only thing that's keeping me from using it at this point. How about the idea of something like web comics? Then, in some way, can you integrate it into a Comic Central? Is there a way you can do that? Keep it either free or Patreon or or even charge in some way? Would it would it work with what you guys are doing to some degree? 
Or is there, is there a totally different section? Is it an add-on? Is it... We've had a bit of that conversation. I know right now we have people who do run um, uh, their own web comics and then they monetize PDF versions of that on Comic Central. And they actually do pretty well because it's, it's their way of giving the people who love or support their comic a way to come and support it further, right? Uh, Folklore is a great example of that. They yeah. have this great big following and then every now and then uh, Buddy follows the link and then buys their very own copy. Yeah. Um, and they write right into the description, you can get this all for free, but if you want to support us, drop mm-hmm. some money in the bucket. But also, would it not be worth it maybe just as an aggregator? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, at a certain point, you know, if, you, if you're already drawing comics fans, then why wouldn't I want my webcomic, even, even if it is just free, even if you're not necessarily getting much from it, just the idea of having all of them aggregated there and being able to look at it and say, hey, this is great. I can, I can read this one for free. I can read this one for free. And I know that I'm just going to go right here. Maybe if I love it so much, I will hit your actual website. But, you know, it's one way to kind of push traffic. There must be web, some, something with all the web pages from web comics together. There must be some website that does that already. For, for web comics? Yeah. Oh yeah, there's a bunch of them. Topastic, yeah. I think, is probably the biggest right yeah, now. Yeah, I think I think that's about right. Yeah, that's tough. It's it's hard to be everything yeah. for everybody. Yeah. I mean, right. I think like eventually we'd like to get there, but I mean, right now we have like actual, um, you know, development costs and hosting costs and things like that. And web comics are massive um, storage monsters. You know, I mean, so like. For us to integrate something like that would probably cost us an extra, I don't know, 60 bucks a month or something like that, just in the beginning. So um, I, I think that's something that's probably, I mean, it's a great idea. <laughs> now she's trying to figure out how she can do it. Look at here's the I thing, can see the brain though, like, moving. Yeah. <laughs> here's the thing, though. I mean, I like, you know, you talk about the way that over in Asia that, that, that digital is a monster, but from what we've seen historically, anything that happens over there slowly creeps its way over into North America. So when you say that, I get excited because I'm like, well, that means digital's coming and it's coming hard, right? Well, like, it is. And I, I often, the question I've always had is where, who, like, who are the people currently who are excited? Like, what's this audience that's, that's that prefers their tablet, their tablet? Yeah, but think over about this. Their books, millennials. But think about where we're headed. Yeah, kids. Right they, now, yeah, you've got a tablet, you've got a phone, mm-hmm. but we're headed to VR. We're headed to wearing glasses, looking down at your table, having a comic. <laughs> That's where we're headed. Next spot is going to blow. Right? You're true. headed at looking yeah. at the wall. Come on. It's so true. Yeah. yeah. So, if that happens, what happens to physical copies in your hands, in your house? I mean, are we headed to houses that are just literally virtual everything in your house and you've got a bed and a chair? <laughs> I mean, is it going to be Snapchat house? Right? <laughs> There's container houses in Hong Kong that are pretty scary. Well, for sure, and I think, um, I, again, yeah, I just I just wonder because it, it, I just don't feel like, my, my struggle is I, I, it, maybe it's the web, maybe it's just the web comic reading audience um, that's there and, and, and sort of figuring out how to uh, focus that or, or maximize that audience um, like uh, the I but the the idea of the 
every time I, I seem to, it just seems to feel like people want this book over the the thing that's going on in your device. And maybe it depends on what it is. I love I love the fact that we you know instruction manuals you just download because I don't need all that paper. It's, no. You know receipts. A lot of that sort of functional paper has been uh, sort of solved with digital. I yeah I I, I totally think it is the, the sort of the future. It's um, but books still seem to have I don't I don't think they're ever going to go away. Clout or yeah, something. There's, yeah. Some, there's there's always going to be some like like the feel of print comics. Print, yeah. print comics. I remember a long time ago when people were talking about like oh you know well how long is this whole thing going to be around? The fortunate thing was that print comics ended up being having that vinyl cachet. Mm -hmm. Vinyl records are still around. People yeah. want to get vinyl records. It might not be huge number, but people want it. So yeah, that's the same thing. It's print comics are like vinyl. That's what happened. That's what happened to it. It became something that it had that cachet niche. Well, I have a question it. here, but first I just want to ask Brett: Do you think it'll be possible to like isolate the part where Lisa is coming and is coming hard for use in a future podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh. We're gonna. <laughs> Make so, that a drop that we can use. And then, Stephanie, when you do your, your blog, um, you know, do, would you look at web comics? Do you, do you approach it? Do you think about it? Is it something that is on your mind or do you think is on your readers' minds? Oh, yeah. It's still something that we definitely look at all the time. And um, some of the big regular news releases that come out is coming soon, Battle Angel, soon to be digital. Okay. For example, um, which is like an old manga that came out, was it 20 years ago now or so? So, so a lot of the beautiful thing with the digital market is not only do we have, is it give like small independent creators a venue to put their stuff out there with low overhead, um, it gives us a chance to revisit all these old things that have long since been out of print, um, to give us access to that. Um, that's just one angle of a lot of the news that comes from digital comics. But, um, but the big thing is, Digital comics give a lot of um, creators their own individual rules that they can follow without having a publisher over their head saying, you know, no, we, we, want, we want a story about this. Well, there are a lot of creators out there who still do that for their publisher, then on the side they'll do something else for themselves and usually quite often end up releasing it digitally. How about the idea of coming in um, a regular book that you're producing, whatever, and having the web content, additional content stories? Just meant to complement, meant to drive people into the print comics that they don't get for free. Something I've been considering. I actually uh, I'm planning on releasing a web comic of my own in the new year, um, early new year, hopefully. Let's see how that goes. Um, and that's that's sort of the idea. the The idea that I can keep producing something, um, and like you said, I can I can do it at a very low cost, right? The the cost of hosting a website, and then it's all there. And it's something that people can consistently see. Um, like you said, you're marketing every single time you put a new page up, right? Um, but then I still have my regular thing. I'm still going to have a new issue of Daughters of Nights at the next convention or whatever. And maybe eventually I'll print um, the webcomic as well. Yeah. One of the question marks as well that I have is like the. And, and maybe it's it probably just my sense of it is. It seems like the digital, the internet marketplace. There's there's a ton of free content. You have you look at newspapers in particular having this sort of problem where, or I don't, I don't know if it's a problem. I don't know what it is. This thing where 
people expect now that you know you'll get the Globe and Mail, uh, and you, you go on their site and you get news, and it's like there it is. Um, and how like is is um, will it drive will it drive the the just what artists are making will it drive that down further um, in terms of. The, this kind of expectation, and, and you look at did you know share music as well, um, where you can just get you can get any song you want on for free well, if you look for it. You're, you're basically bringing up two topics at once, almost. One of them is uh, copyright, like plagiarism, basically. Yeah. And then the other one is how do I monetize it and still be able to make a living wage? And that's kind or of like get something back. Yeah, exactly. Right. Work. Still monetizing yeah. it somehow, like yeah. some sort of some sort of return on on your creation. And I think that's kind of one of the biggest struggles that. All industries in print have been facing yeah. when dealing with digital, not just comics, but newspapers and so on. Yeah. How do we? Our like, we still want to have like our crack team of top creators, but now people can just go like online and download the issues from the from whoever decided to scan it and leak it that day. Totally. Well, that's just, you know, and you're always you know, I'm on the New York Times, and I'm always getting a little box that says. You you have nine issues you know you have nine articles left and uh, but sign up for ninety nine cents a week or whatever it is I don't know um, and and get in my back of my mind I'm like yeah but most news is free or I can get all most of this news on Guardian or whatever there's twelve different um, you know and and the same with you know the same with comics is um, and and maybe you know is maybe it is. Uh, that merchandising element as well of, of creating physical stuff alongside the free web um, Yeah, sorry. Um, no, yeah, I think that actually brings us back to circle earlier we mentioned Patreon. And I know that's a route that a lot of creators are starting to take now because they're still, they are still driving the creation of their comic, but now they're offering merchandise on top of it yeah. to, to drive those sales. Uh, even with, uh, go back to music for an example, a lot of Musicians are not realizing so many people just downloading the music anyways. Yeah. Let's give them a concert that will that a lifetime experience. Or or here's a here's some really cool merchandise you can only get by buying it. Like Trent Reznor is great for limited edition album with all of the tracks, yeah. whatever, and the USB stick and, and everything so every DJ can mix remix the songs as they please. Totally. So I think I think a lot of comics um, people are actually looking at to, to doing some sort of crazy incentives too. Just to, to say, well, you can download this for free, but if you buy it for me, you're going to get all this other yeah, stuff, too. Yeah. Well, and, and at what point you know, is it up to a comic creator or just a creator in general to make it as easy as possible for somebody to want to pay for their product? Because the truth was is that you know, before Comixology, you know, I looked at it and it was just like, oh, you know, maybe I have to go to a store or whatever, or I could just download something and try it. But now, you know, Comixology comes out and it's just like, oh, well, suddenly it's easy. I'm, I'm more than willing to drop a couple of bucks so that I can try this new comic book. You know, Comic Central, you're making it easy for people to try these independent comic books. So, you know, how do we make it keep making it easier for people to actually pay rather than the ease of saying like Netflix made everything easy for people to stop downloading to a certain degree so you know this is the next step is is how do we just make it easy I think there's a couple different conversations here though there's there's the idea of easy um, uh, monetizing and and what comics 
should be or how people like to consume their comics. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think there's a different statistic between uh, the way that people are um, uh, downloading music for free and it's hurt the music industry as opposed to uh, the number of people who are downloading comics for free and how that's hurting the comics industry. Because I don't think they're, they're near the same thing. Because even um, when you look at digital sales versus print sales, print sales is still way in the lead. It is trumping digital sales and it's not growing. Um, I think I think people are still recognizing that there are preferred methods for enjoying these things. Uh, music works great in a digital platform because there's there's nothing to look at, right? There's there's nothing physical about it, right? Uh, there's there's not even a visual quality to it. Um, whereas the old vinyl albums, though. Sure, yeah, but did you sit there and stare at the album as it played? Yeah. yeah. Like or did you sit People would take, they would put together these beautiful things and beautiful pieces of art, and inside they would have art, yes. different pictures and lyrics, and people would literally take these little mini booklets and go through them and read them and follow along with them as they were listening to the album. If you look, take a look. A pink right, but that's not typically how you listen to your music, right? You're no, listening not, to it in the car, you're listening to it as you're walking, walking the dog. But right. not exactly. anymore. Yeah. But, you know, back, but, when, but back when it started, that's sure. how you were. But so, so this is the preferred method, right? It's it's digital, and that means that it doesn't matter if you buy it or if you steal it, right? Um, yeah. It doesn't work the same with, with printed comics. People maybe enjoy or were more ready to buy your comic, Aaron, uh, because it's this beautifully water paint watercolor painted uh, comic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't look the same on a screen as it does when it's printed on paper and in your hand, right? So that yeah. is still the preferred experience for that. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's comics like um, Homestuck, uh, which is hugely popular, and it should be because it does all these amazing, amazing things where it's interactive and whatnot, mm-hmm. which means that it can only be done and should be done digitally, right? Because it wouldn't have had the same effect if you tried to make a pop-up book that did the same thing where you played with all the panels, right? So there's, I, I think the, the key component with comics is is the artistry to it, right? Um, print will exist and will continue to exist um, because that is the intended format of what you're producing. But aren't, for instance, Travis, is, have you drawn something specifically thinking to yourself, I'm only drawing this for the digital experience, for the comicsology experience, anything like that ever? Yeah. Because... If you were, wouldn't the way that you attack it and the way you think of it, isn't there, aren't we still just beginning to explore that medium and what it can do for people? Probably. I mean, I have never drawn anything with anything in mind except just what's asked of me, really. I mean, one of the things I did when I did some Transformers work, but that was an entirely different thing altogether, was it had to be uh, tablet-friendly, so it had to scroll landscape this way across. Yeah, but for the most part, when I do my own thing, because I did do like one of my one of my books up now, I do have a just a little site for it, but I just can't keep the schedule a page a week. Uh, but it's there. But again, there's so much stuff that like you talking about like analytics or readership. I have no idea. I'm just putting it up just for the sake of putting it up. There there are people who do produce things uh, like in, in two different respects. They produce it for. Uh, it's a different product whether you're buying it digitally or whether you're <coughs> buying it in print. Um, I, I really wish I could remember who the colorist was. Um, uh, all you artists around the table, we all know the difference between CMYK and RGB, right? Um, the colorist on the book was um, The Nameless, I believe is what it was called. I can't remember his name. Uh, he wrote this brilliant blog post about how he colors his books twice. 
wants to get all the best values. Yeah, wants to get all the best values for the print version because that's the intended format. And then he colors it again so that he can get all these brilliant um, other colors that you can only achieve uh, digitally so that you have the best viewing experience on both, right? That is working with um, the tools at hand to, to provide the experience. Is he getting paid to do that? Twice? It was an image book. So, uh, I mean, technically, yeah. If you're the one writing the checks, you're like, no, you're getting paid once. <laughs> if you're going to do that twice, that's on you. <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing a lot more special effects dropped into R2. I'm seeing a lot more snow in the backgrounds or, um, you know, like crystals falling down from, like, you're seeing a lot of that now, especially in, in people that are you know, putting work up on Facebook and stuff. It's, they're actually making use of GIF technology. So. I would say it's, it's arguable, too, about the, the quality difference between print and digital, because when you look at high-definition screens, whatever type, um, as well as you know, like lit displays, um, Oh, you know, you can get. Oh, oh wow. my goodness. Look who it is. Sorry, Aaron, finish your thought. No, I've got somebody new to introduce. Yeah, just, just the, the, the quality of a screen would be excellent. And um, that, like, you, you can get a lot of, de- a lot of detail you, that you might that might get, you know, blotted out in, depending on the type of paper you use, the type of printing, uh, inkjet, or, you know, four color press. Um, I, I don't think pay. it's a it's a question of quality though. It's just different. Well, that's yeah. Like, yeah. but I, I think what I'm trying to say is like, uh, like people maybe feel like they want to get up close to the print, but I I think you could do a lot of stuff with digital in terms of maybe how being able to get right into the, you know, the details. Of the line and I'm gonna cut it off for a second here, so we can introduce our. Our newest guest, and uh, I, I was wondering if he's going to make it. He did. A little bit of time left. <laughs> really happy, uh, Alexander Finfo. Who are you, and why are you awesome? And what's the last good movie you saw? Uh, who am I? I'm Alexander Finfo. I am a writer, and I'm also the publisher of the game Arts Entertainment, which is <clears throat> Alberta's only graphic novel and comic book publisher. <laughs> <laughs> to be a dying breed, it's scary. Um, and the last good movie I saw, oh, Hairspray, last night, the first time. <laughs> and I was, all the way through, I was like, Scream is still relevant now. <laughs> all of us were out watching it and you were watching Hairspray. Yeah. My youngest daughter's choice, she's like, why, why are you even debating with all these new movies? Just watch Hairspray, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't understand why John Travolta is playing the mother. Seriously? Because in the original one, it was it was like a famous drag queen that played the mother. Right. So right. Just right. Mm. Isn't John Pennett also played the mom on Broadway for a while? So it's a thing. I think he has a thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, where were we? And then you'll just hopefully. Be- we're talking about the web comics and this type of things. Paul, how about for you? Is there anything that the type of booking you did where you, it's mainly prose novel with, with 40 pages or so, I guess, of, of art? Is there any way that you can look at this and think, like, how would you implement this into another another volume or is there anything that you have? 
That's de definitely been uh, something I've been wrapping my head around um, in the past and even just in this conversation. And honestly, I don't quite know um, how, I mean, with what I've been doing on, say, like on in, in the Instagram has been posting the photos or the posting the images, I should say, of uh, our artist's work with, you know, a quote from a movie. I've been creating memes and that kind of, that sort of thing. But in terms of actually, in terms of webcomicking it, I, I'm not sure unless I expand on, expand on the art, which, and incorporating like more art into the story. Um, how to do it with the way it's set up now, I, I'm not entirely sure. Now, no. well, you guys, sorry, but you, you guys created a package um, a while ago about like with, with right. just a whole bunch of different stuff. That's now, true. Is there a way that you could take that package that you created of supplementary materials mm -hmm. and like, what if that goes on the website? What if that's kind of the stuff that you're working on? In, that is, that is definitely a possibility. Um, we did create a, like a poetic summary and uh, various other materials of like dossiers of the characters, um, prints, uh, just a bunch of different swag stickers and all that, all that kind of material, t-shirts, um, which we've all kind of considered as part of our general overall package for whenever we develop our website, um, and is sort of readily available on our Facebook page. Um, but in terms, yeah, like I haven't I hadn't thought too deeply on that, just more focused on being more focused on the actual writing. And I haven't sort of delved too deep into that kind of... Well, I don't know how much more we want to talk about your package, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <But> the crack. <laughs> Release the crack. Release the cracking again, yeah. Um, but Alex, how about you? From what's your, what's, uh, as a publisher, what's your kind of strategy, online strategy, and is there anything you're seeing in the web comics and in that world that you are implementing or that you don't like that's a threat, or is there anything that you just, like, how, how is, what's kind of your point of view? Feel free to be totally honest. <laughs> As you look at me like, I don't want to answer that. Oh, man. <laughs> um, it's tricky because there isn't anything which works across the board. Like, it's different for almost every project, every creator. Um, but some people are very good at finding their audience and building, building them through their work. And for other people, they throw those stuff out and no one pays any attention. And sometimes it's the usual thing of celebrity. Like when you, if you are an online presence, then you're more likely to get to turn up. Um, if you're not already known as a creator. Um, and we've experimented on webcomics with different successes, like the Jeff, Jeff Martin stuff. For just over a year, we ran a different strip for him every week. And it had a small number of people that would read so we're going to try something different with that. Um, kind of, 
wish there was a really easy answer to this question. Can we jump on it straight away? I think if there was an easy answer, we would arrive at it an hour ago. <laughs> right. I think there's an easy answer. You know, point in trying to do a summit <laughs> like this. I, did, you know? I do know that when we're releasing a book, it makes a big difference if the creator has already tried hard to build himself as a brand. Mm -hmm. I think that they take the business side of it seriously. In the same way that when I was working in film, we were always taught that the creative side is 10% of your job. And another 90% is getting the business side together and then marketing and getting it out there. Because you can make the best thing in the world, but if you really put the effort into the marketing, nothing gets down. Because they're like, oh, you made something? Oh, I never heard about that. Because you do a good enough job of finding an audience. Um, and for comics, there's so much competition from all the big companies out there and all the great self-published uh, creators. And then every single other type of entertainment form competing. You really have to say, I am a brand, my comics are a brand. Um, unless you really don't want to go down that route, you're really anti-business, which is fine too. But it makes it really hard to sell comics to people. <laughs> you kind of found, with you, as a publisher, you've kind of found your own niche though, right? As, as far as you know, Canadian content, you're getting into schools and, and bookstores and so going at it a different way i mean i know nick's what's that project again tell them about that buffalo project uh, i think this is something that alex would be interested in hearing about if he has it yeah it's uh <coughs> it's uh it's called inniskim or buffalo belong inniskim means buffalo stone and blackfoot um and basically it's a comic created in tandem was a performance that was done to celebrate the return of the buffalo to the wild in Banff National Park. Um, so the comic I'm doing with uh, Tank Standing Buffalo is about uh, Blackfoot stories. Um, it's about the buffalo returning to the wild and the effect that that has on the environment and on the public consciousness. And it's about all of the actors and performers putting this thing together. So it's like working on a lot of different levels, but ultimately the goal is to take this special event and celebrate uh, its power. And so uh, something like that, and the way you approach things, and, and something that we were talking about earlier, you weren't here, Stephanie wasn't here, maybe you guys have an ideas, is simply getting out of the, the box of, of marketing and who you get the product into the hands of. So I think this is something you guys are really good at. at uh, well, I just came from the homeschooling conference just down the road. We're in for the last hour or so because the homeschoolers, uh, the parents involved in that, like they really value comic books and graphic novels as ways of getting reluctant readers going and also making dry subject matter more interesting. Mm -hmm. So they're they're like a, a big market for us across North America in particular. Um, and that kind of story. Next story. Like my first question, if this was a pitch, would be: Is there an emotional like route through that story, or is it more like a? This is what we're doing, this is why it's important. Kind of the telling story. Yeah, as far as the emotional core goes, I mean, um, it's a very emotional comic in the way that it acknowledges a tragic part of our past, but instead of dwelling on guilt and such, it uh, uh, acknowledges it and then tries to begin healing through a celebration. So that basic theme of acknowledging tragedy and our part in it and then celebrating to heal that is the core of the book. And then through like, three or four different short stories, we try to bring that back. Great, so that's probably something that, depending on the treatment of it, um, would, it would be 
one that I would be able to go, okay, now I know exactly where we can market this, who our key audience is, what our probable sales figures are going to be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, without it being a breakout success, I know you're probably likely to break even or make a small profit on that kind of story. Um, that's kind of, that falls nicely into the Canadian niche that we, the comfort zone for us. Okay, so how about you, Stephanie, is there anything, because one of the things you do very well, obviously, is market yourself. Yeah. That's one of the ways that you've had a success and one of the reasons why you listed off 413 different projects. <laughs> and, I didn't realize how brief the intro had to be. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but, but it's, you're very good at it. And then you have somebody, Chelsea, who's admitted herself that this is something that she perhaps struggles at. And so is there ways that you think that people can get out of the box or ways that you could think to yourself, Maybe we can work together better on this, or we can help each other. What ways to market that maybe do you think of that you think people aren't doing enough of? Video, first one. First one's video, because YouTube and even Instagram videos are huge right now, especially with younger audience. So actually, let's back up a bit. First, you got to think who your audience is, who you're targeting, and who would be interested in picking up your book. And from there, you can kind of expand, right? So. Um, Video sharing is so big right now online, it's almost ridiculous not to have at least a trailer for your comic or something like that. Or even, um, have you guys heard of Twitch, for example? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Twitch is awesome because it gives people an inside look at your creative process. Um, If you're doing an illustration, let's say, you can just turn on your your Twitch for for the day or for a couple of hours and say, okay, today I'm going to work on this sketch of a space girl, let's say. And even if it's not related to your book, you're still giving content to your audience. So say you're, you're working on something you can't quite disclose everything of, but then you're struggling with, I'm gonna lose my audience if I don't put up regular content on my social media and my Facebook feeds, for example, or, or my other, other feeds. Um, then then uh, throw, just throw out something that's unrelated, just to, just to still stay fresh with your audience. And so there's a kind of a two, one-two combo, one of them is, finding innovative ways to attract, attract the audience and keep them captivated and making sure you, you keep them captivated on a regular basis because like, like you said earlier, if you take a couple of months off, the audience will forget about you and then only that, you also have to deal with the algorithms not picking up on your stuff uh, being viewed as much or p- being shared on a regular basis and you kind of you want the social media to work with you as well. And that's just the social media angle. And then Alex here, that is a great example, expanding out to a whole other industry altogether, the homeschooling. I wouldn't have thought of that. That's great. Um, like even even other stuff that I've I've done personally, like maybe a little less comic book related, but still you gotta think, if I go to this community hall where they're talking about this particular issue, um, that's a that's a or this community gathering talk about this particular issue, that's a good place for me to find my audience for this particular thing. So you really gotta do a lot of legwork, and it's going to be very tiring. And you might even have to get someone to help you, especially if you're not good at finding those kind of resources, and say, hey, who else can I get here, and where can I find these other people? Lee is somebody who also works in marketing. When you hear that, what kind of goes off in your head? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, we were, we were discussing this earlier. We were talking about hooking up artists with influencers and, um, yeah, getting those people hooked up together, right? So people that are into marketing and into sharing other people's work, head out onto online media and blast your message out there into the world. So, yeah, hopefully. 
Sorry, I was going to say, even just come up with a press release and just start sending it to all the atomic blogs or something, all the media blogs, and even the local newspaper. Even if you're from a small town, small town newspapers love small town people's success. So if you think like, oh, I'm from Beggarville, what, why, what, don't, and I've been living there in 10 years, it doesn't matter. Send the things as, hi, I was from Beggarville, and here's my new comic coming up. They'll probably pick up on you too. So you'll be surprised. Yeah, if you go to Canmore and you walk around the stores, there's the bear book. It's <laughs> about every store in Canmore right now. Wonderful. <laughs> now that's good marketing. That is. It's brilliant. But it is, like, you're like, it's the most Canadian book ever. Like, yeah. Who as a Canadian is not going to go, I have to buy it now? I'm out of guilt at least. Like, <laughs> but you know, you've done a good job. You've done a good job with like, I mean, it's a bear. You're taking a and you're taking a big bear with you wherever you go in that regard, and 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 then the stand-up as well. I mean, you've got Nico the big bear, and then you've got. That. <laughs> but uh, but no, it's the it's that idea of like, you know, how how do you find that as part of everything, where it's like, okay, well, well, maybe my comic's not about a big bear, which would be awesome if it was, but. Um, how do you find that one thing that you can create that you can take with you and and make it something even bigger than just than what what you think it is? Mm-hmm. Yes, interesting challenge. But that almost <laughs> sounds like the idea, of, and it's something that I've grappled with. Uh, the idea of not—it's it, not just a book. It's not just a comic. It's an experience. Um, so, like bringing that big bear around with you when you do the conventions, uh, you set it up. Um, you, you like made your booth smaller so that people can come in and take pictures and do silly things and uh, it becomes an experience. It's not just a kid's book with bears. It's it's the big bears and yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see. Hopefully when she's ready we'll publish Stray Sold if she hasn't got a big enough publisher interested. And one of the things I thought about was okay, so what kind of a convention experience is gonna work when we're trying to move it to an, a bigger audience? outside of the core readers and doing some kind of an Irish like woodland setting with the kind of fairy stuff there for kids to discover and ultimately to go, well, this is nice, this is different, this is nobody else is doing this right now. Yeah. Is something that with a hole for your face <laughs> with the red hair Oh yes. Oh. The, the hair I thought it was like this for her book too. Cause, yeah, because yeah, it's like it's one of those books that, that I think there's, there's so many angles you couldn't market it. We want people to come in, and it's also one of those things I'm thinking, okay, so you can do a chapter in Nico Signing. We're going to do 12 in the first six months of release. That rather than just having a table and use the books and maybe there's a little poster and hi, meet the creator, it's like, this is a really interesting thing in the store. Oh, it's a book. And this is the author. Oh, great, yeah, we're already hooked on checking it out and looking at all the different like, cool stuff that's, been, that's, that's enciced you to come and get invested emotionally in the, in the story before you even know it's a story. I think just like that. But that's part of it. That's part of what you're thinking is invest them emotionally before they even read it. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's an interesting way to look at it. But I can see it. You know, like I mean, the idea of taking as much as you can and making it as much of an experience as you can. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and the thing is, is that you know, it's just like our story. I mean, we're heavily invested in our story. Of course, we're creating it. But I mean, I I would love it to be an experience. I would love to go that much no, further. It's going to be at the conventions in, yeah. in long hair, thick yeah. hair. He's going to be wearing some leather pants, and he's going to be doing Spend the whole hair look. Just to wait. <laughs> I had uh, one particular... Notice how I say he's going to be doing that. 
I had one particular idea um, earlier with by creating profiles, Facebook profiles for my four characters in the story that would be on a, on a social media aspect would be able to like communicate with one another like be friends with every one of my friends and whatnot and you know I'd be able to use their voice I'd be able to use my voice through their voice as it were so like Hercules the main character so Herc would make his two cents on something Trump did right mm. or you know and have them create dialogues and that just to sort of perpetuate like making it more real and making it making them a part of the real world as much as they're like I mean I can't stop thinking about whether or not like Hercules would have voted for Trump like, no, he would he, not. No, you don't think? No. You're not your Hercules. He'd want to crush it. Marvel's <laughs> Hercules might have. Yeah, to be fair, he's well. Greek, so he wouldn't be eligible anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's the way that, That's like, let's no, that's He would have been deported, so. Did you talk about reviews? Yeah. No, no. No. What's on your mind? Well, I spent some time this morning emailing creators we were saying push people for reviews. Like positive reviews, you know, like for your own stuff. I want to buy a new small fridge for storing apples. So you look at the fridges that are out there and you're like, well, they're all the same, just slightly different names. Okay, let's look at the reviews. And then you're looking for ones that look the best reviews, right? Yeah, negative. I always go for the negative reviews. Do you? Absolutely, because then you know, like, if there's any, like, when it, whether it comes to traveling, product, product, uh, like researching products or whatever, I'll always check out the negative reviews because yeah. I find that a lot of the five star is like it's by the boss. Well, what you're oh, looking for? Yeah. It's essentially you know what? You're looking for consistency in mm-hmm. negative reviews. That's the thing. Yeah, because yeah. exactly. yeah. you can have a disgruntled employee that's like yeah. this is the worst. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but if you're same. seeing that it's just like oh, there are you know there are inconsistencies with. Yeah, because one review does not make it. No, no, I'll, I'll be sure. Five reviews makes makes yeah. it something. If everybody that says sure. that they're having a problem with with the cord and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is happening, you start thinking, well, yeah. You know what? I, I don't know about anybody else, but I know for comic book reviews, I'm probably less trustworthy of those than any other medium. For sure. You know. So what does that mean? Sure, and we've done a bunch of you know. <laughs> <laughs> A bunch of them poorly. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> There's no st- quality or standard. Although I guess if you go on to Amazon, it's the exact same thing. It's just any schmo can mm-hmm. criticize it, right? Well, I see too many comic book websites that, that have given a 10 out of 10 to a monthly book. And it's like, no, 10 out of 10 should be, like, there should be, like, 10 books in history that have gotten 10 yeah. out of 10. The ones in all You know what I mean? Answer. Like, this is the greatest so you stop, you stop believing in what they're saying at that point. I have a bunch of um, like reviewers that I use to like push stuff out from Comic Central, and the weird thing is, is that they all come back to me, and if they didn't like the book, they won't review it. They're like, I don't like this. Send me something I like. Yeah, so yeah. They don't want to put out bad reviews because it they think it hurts their personal brand to be a jerk. Yeah, yeah there is a movement like where we don't do negative reviews. We don't like it. We just don't say anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's a 
again, part of the reason why I just don't trust comic book reviews more than anything else. But for other than big reviews, I mean, if you've got a friend who likes something, then they should like review on Goodreads or on Amazon or wherever that thing is just saying, I read this, I thought it was pretty good, it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be about something, or if a three-star review is good or a four-star review is great. But like not having any reviews on something is like, oh, so does nobody read this? So yeah. So you're saying more as a expanding exposure and yeah. Anyone, like if you've all read each other's books in this room, then we should all be going to each other's places and leaving a little, a couple of lines saying, I think the artwork's improved a lot in issue two than did in issue one. The storyline is actually kind of hooked in now. I'm going to go back to issue three. If you, if you didn't like it, then don't say anything. But do, do people bad. take their reviews too personally? In other words, like if it's one thing if it is the guy is just being a jerk, but if it is something like what, like when we sent something to Nick and he took a look at our story and came back and it's like the, you said the biggest thing, the most assholeish thing I could do was tell you it was great, you know. And, but isn't that true that it's like maybe you do maybe people are reviewing your book instead of going oh, I hate this person for hating it. Maybe you can actually look at it and say what are they saying and how can I improve upon that. Is it too difficult? Are you too close to the work? That's the difference between criticism and critiquing. Criticism isn't helpful. If somebody is legitimately critiquing it, then great. That is that is helpful. If somebody is just saying, well, I didn't like this, and I didn't like this, and I didn't like this, and I didn't like this, that's not necessarily helpful. That's just their opinion. If they're saying, I think that this could have worked better, or... Uh, maybe uh, this should have happened like this, or I didn't feel that this worked because there's an art to critique. Yeah, um, and that's my thing. Is like I can't just say if I'm going to review someone's book or their portfolio or whatever it is, I can't just say I don't like that, I don't like that, I don't like that. The the give and take is I see something isn't working, I have to make a suggestion on how to maybe fix it. Yeah, I have to be able to say. Because otherwise, yeah. what's the value? Exactly. There's no but we're talking about two different things. We're talking about yeah. public-facing reviews to give people confidence to try something that they haven't tried before, right. as opposed to professionals helping each other to improve their writing or art or story directives. Just gonna, we got a new person again. Like I said, they'd be filtering in. So everybody, uh, Keith, call back. You have to tell everybody who you are and what's the last good movie you saw. Uh, <laughs> excellent question. It's all. He's going to say why he's awesome. Say why he's awesome because I don't. <laughs> no, and he's not awesome. That's why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll skip that part. Uh, my, my name is uh, Keith Callback. I write a blog uh, called IlikeHelping.com: Minimalism in a Nerdy World. And uh, for five years, I was the co-host of a fantastic comic book podcast. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Run by a bunch of jerks. <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> I, I will. Uh, I'll say uh, Mark Maron's new stand-up that is uh, just on Netflix is fantastic. That's, that's Once again, not a movie, but <laughs> <laughs> An I, I watched all the Twin Peaks, and they said it was a 17-hour, 18-hour movie. So I will. <laughs> this but is something. It was all right. You come in at the perfect time, though, because you're somebody who I think you'll admit won't want to publish a review of something unless you like it, largely. Isn't that something kind of you kind of admitted you don't want to put the negativity out there? I, I would say I avoid it if I don't have anything positive to say. Um, I think if, if it's below a five, say, like a five out of ten, then there's probably nothing constructive I can say about it. 
Um, I have given five to seven as reviews. Uh, if there was something I saw and I saw, but the work itself was flawed, um, I just I just review I review for Comicosity uh, from time to time, and uh, one of the works I just reviewed uh, I felt was well done uh, from a craft point of view, but there was a couple of serious flaws in the art that should have been caught in editing. So it really ended up as a five, uh, but I thought that the book almost made it. So you think there's an art to the critiquing as well? Absolutely. I mean, it, I think that review has unfortunately fallen by the wayside as a, as a skill. Um, I mean, yes. the great reviewers in film, the great reviewers in literature um, were experts at what they did. They weren't wannabe filmmakers. Uh, they weren't wannabe writers. They were people who were excellent at that specific skill, which was reviewing. Because there, because the thing is, and like with film, there's so much that you can learn about the history of film coming up to this moment, you know. And each of those informs your watching of a movie. Now we and have I the think, internet. Yeah, everybody can have an opinion or say something, and, yeah. and in all those, it seems like no matter what your background is, everybody's is equal, and yet not at the same time. It's strange. Well, and very much they, the. The internet has also made it a completely binary system. Um, you know, film reviews are, it was the worst thing I ever saw, or, you know, it's the, it should win every Oscar no matter what year it was released in. But also, if you, if you were to say, I don't like this book by this particular person who's very popular on the internet, instead of people saying, well, I respect your opinion, or I get it, or you're allowed to have it, it's, oh, you're an idiot, because this person's a genius. You know, so then you become difficult. Everything, yeah. Um, Travis, as an artist, when you're getting things reviewed, do you find people actually bring up the art, or are they more concerned about the overall story and the actual just, you know, the experience of the story and the the, the book as itself, or do they do they kind of focus in on what you're doing? Um, that's a good question because I've never read a review of it. <laughs> I've never worked on it. I don't mean that as like a, I don't mean that as like a, I don't have time for this. I just have never encountered any really. I mean, I haven't done that much stuff, but I've never, I've never encountered anything. Transformers must have been uh, reviewed. <laughs> might have been. I never read it. <laughs> it might have been. I've never. You're just not like I, I don't that out. like. I don't. I've Go never. <laughs> I've never read it. Like that's one of those things that I'm. I just have never done. I don't. You know, and, and then people in this room write blogs. It's, you know, it's, that's that's awesome. But I've never read, I've never been on comic book resources, I've never been on Bleeding Cool or any of that stuff. Is it just a disinterest or is it fear or is it... No, I've just never thought about it. Like I don't, and that isn't a case of like, yeah, it's not a case of a phobia or anything like that, I just never really bothered. I have like three websites that I visit. It's TSN, Bleacher Report, and then <laughs> Packers.com. Those are the three websites I ever That's it. Like that's, those are the three websites I ever go to. I think we're uh, there's there's something that we're arguing that is going against what uh, maybe you were saying earlier. How we're starting to get into this argument um, about the quality of reviews and that sort of thing, um, and how maybe uh, there are reviews that that don't have value. Um, and yet, what you were saying is that just somebody coming out and saying, and maybe reviews not the right word, but having an opinion about something, wanting to talk about something, wanting to uh, post something about that something, that has value. So the fact that um, people, positive, negative, just period, saying something about something has value. Yeah, to be talked about. 
Yeah. We should be talking about each other's things. Yes. Yeah. If every one of us at the end of the day took the time to go on, you know, whichever website you're looking at and just write something good or something about everybody's work here, yeah. then we would actually progress things much more than you know, obviously, than if we didn't. But I mean, it, and and if that's the kind of thing that we were able to perpetuate, then I think it would probably be a really good thing. So that's everyone's homework for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> to tell each other how much they rock. <laughs> or suck. <laughs> 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 but maybe it's also I'm just like one like in the time. Like, like that, that I would need, you know, how to write a press release. I've never been taught how to write a press release. Oh. I'm sure there's a hundred resources and you can find well, it. Where you can ask but I'll bring you a press release. I'm going to look at gas. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. But, um, it's but, it's, but it's just the act of sitting out of doing that. Yeah. Um, that takes, you know, uh, decide that. So is that one more thing that takes you away from your work? Yeah. Well, sure it is. Sure darn it is. But it's, but it's also one thing that adds a pile of yeah. stuff to do on the side of. Yeah. Making the thing. Well, you don't know, write I mean, the best press release ever written, and if you don't have an email list of people that are interested, your PR list is crap. Mm -hmm. That's what stopped me up last time. I wrote a, I wrote a, yeah, I wrote that thing. What's it called? I forgot what it's called. Press release. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wrote that up for a <laughs> It took a while to travel from one end of the table to the other. Sound, yeah. <laughs> speed of sound is media <laughs> Okay, cool. We've been at it a while, it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I wrote one, and it took me a few hours, and I looked at a bunch of different examples, I'm like, this is tight! And I was like, who the fuck do I say? <laughs> <laughs> it literally happened. Yeah. So I, I eventually just gave it shelf life, and they're like, cool, we'll send it to some people, and I was like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if we can all just get used to adding something new into our repertoire, yeah. then mm -hmm. a lot can happen, and, and, it can, and it only needs to be five minutes in a day. You know, I mean, or maybe five minutes in a week. I mean, if I think about it, like I like reading comics, okay. So I'm going to read your comic, and I'm going to, and I'm going to, at the end of it, I'm going to go on to Comic Central, and I'm going to post something about it. Yeah, instead of you just moving on and washing the yeah. dishes, you actually take a couple yeah, minutes. Yeah, and that's You don't have to spend an hour writing a no. blog. Yeah. You say, hey, I read this. This is really well drawn. This is really well written. Yeah. And somebody, you guys should check it out. Yeah. If you can yes. do, uh, if you like this, then you'll like this kind of comparison. Yeah. That really helps yeah. as well. What about a, it's a this meets this? <laughs> I actually really just like those. Yeah. <laughs> like, why can't it be its own thing? <laughs> uh, I will say, as someone who runs a comics blog for a long time, finding a good reviewer to do like professional reviews is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. It is one, probably one, uh, that's like one definite empty position that we have that we've just never been able to even fill. And it's just kind of push down a little. Maybe one day we'll come across someone who can actually do us like really good quality reviews. Because unfortunately, like you said earlier, some people like hesitant to give bad reviews, or some people just don't really write nice reviews. So that's a uh, that's one of the problems I uh, with review writing, or from uh, from running a blog anyway that I found. Well, um, from my perspective, speaking as an ex reviewer, basically. <laughs> The point is, I actually found that it took too long to write a review because I was attempting to to make that review a reasonably good review. That's where I was and point to. out that, you know, here's the good stuff, here's the not so good stuff. You know, it, it's time consuming. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, even myself, like, in, and other people who work on my blog too, we're all like, 
we all struggle writing reviews, right? Because not only do you like something, or say say you like something, but you also like this other thing, but you don't want to sound like the same thing all the time because you obviously have your narrow views of what you love so much about it, and then you realize, oh, this almost sounds like the same review, and I just changed out some names and and a few words here and there in the characters. Dude, that's the way to do it. <laughs> well, and, and it's, it's real easy to repeat yourself. Yes, that's it. Yes, like a hundred percent. I mean, when, the, when you start reading a hundred comic books, bang, 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 and then the next thing you know, it's suddenly like, this sounds like this review. You know, whereas there's some reviews that you that you get out, and it's just like, now that's got its own voice, and it's fantastic, and and those are great moments. Right. But, but when you're just re rehashing, even in your head, I mean. Is it worth it? I don't know. Yeah, well, that's what I like about Alexander's suggestion. Everyone just write like a small review for everyone else here, because we can easily hop onto, say, Amazon or Comicsology or somewhere where you can. Comic Central. Oh, Comic Central. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I should do three mouse. Actually, there we go. But, but, um, but yeah, just even your own Facebook or Twitter. Like, you just say a couple of words, 140 characters or less. Yeah. Um, it's way less intimidating for me to go on Netflix and click how many stars something is worth and then just like leave it be than, than that, write a, write a full review of anything too. And I bet you, given now that I have the tools to think of, oh, a review can just be like a little simple thing, that's all of a sudden like opens like a whole world for me. I'm like, ah. Is it enough just to, if somebody says, hey, this book was really good to, to retweet it, or should you quote it and like what's like how much how much effort is it? Uh, what are you looking for here? How much how, how much are you willing to pay me is what I'm asking now. <laughs> to do what? <laughs> to to review stuff? Yeah, come on. Give me a, like a buck fifty a week or something. Oh, it's tricky because soon you start talking about people being paid to do stuff then it takes away the impartiality of the review. Yeah, well I'm, for you I'm probably not impartial anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I think that uh, that's about the end of our time here. No, so, no, we had an extra 10 minutes. An extra 10 minutes? We're going 10 minutes long. 10 minutes long, okay. 10 minutes long because Alan showed up so damn late, so did Keith. We'll okay. make it worth the time. Sorry. So, in that case. We're going to 415, Brett. That's enough time to get out of here. We got out of here by 430. Everybody's going to help clean up. <laughs> oh, I got some. Yeah, we'll work. Suddenly, Next, like, this is a good time to leave. <laughs> Give me another couple minutes. Because, you know, Alex has something else on his mind. What else would you like to talk about? What else would I like to talk about? World peace. What are we going to do for the other six minutes? I'm curious. Did you do all the big stuff already? What is the big stuff? Um, like, you, you in this room as a professional comics person earning a living in the comics industry full time. Full time. Well, it's not. Or nearly full time. That's yeah. next to it. Yeah, but it's not professional <laughs> industry. It's just random <laughs> little yeah. things. I make a living as an artist. It's That's not awesome. always comics. Well, that would be really hard to do. For yeah. Probably ninety percent of us working in the industry. Is that is that the point you're trying to make? Like, well, not if you are <laughs> professional. <laughs> 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 So it's one of those industries like filmmaking where people want to do it because they want to create and put their own stories out. And for a lot of people, the dream is to find your living doing what you love. It's really hard to do that. No, is that. Is that your premier? Like, is it like, oh, I want to make a living from this? Or is it just like, I just want to do this. Like, I love doing it. Well, 
like uh, this will take the whole 15 minutes. Well, this might take the whole 15 minutes, so I don't want to spend too much time. Uh, certainly, I've been thinking a lot about, a lot about it lately. I think, I think what I want is to create the stories that I want to tell. Um, I have, I've just, I've sort of abandoned a lot of um, some of the other the ideas of being a professional or, or whatever, whatever that is to people. I think I'm not really all that interested in you know writing, a, drawing other people's stories if it's not something that's pretty interesting to me. Yeah. There's there's so much on offer. Like there's there's such a um, there's so many people making art. There's so much stuff being produced. Um, uh, you know, you I think you just I I find I need to be specific. About what I'm really into, and be and really focus in on that and do it well. Um, but I but I decided that in doing that, I I just want a job that I can show up at and do and work and go home and not and leave it at work. Yeah. Um, whereas I think where when I look at the professional artist, um, you know, it's it it also involves. Uh, finding work, getting work, to bring money in, to then support the stuff that the the stuff that's a little more interesting, and, uh, more personal, and and I, it's it's six of one half as the other. Whether I'm at a Joe job or you know out there busting my balls to find uh, work in doing an advertising, you know, drawing an advertisement or drawing some editorial illustration. There's millions of editorial illustrators. There's millions of them, and I. I just got to the point where it just doesn't, it's six of one, half does the other. And I would rather just save my creative energy for stuff that's important to me. And what, how, you know, how we label that and what that comes out of. No, it's great. Like, so many people, that's a great route to take. You've got a job which doesn't involve much creative input, you get benefits, yeah. you've got a pension plan, exactly. you've got stability, yeah. and then you still have creative energy to work on your own stuff when you have time. That stability is huge for, yeah, to be able to then sit down and concentrate and Put out, yeah. yeah. It's a great, great route for anyone in the creative industries to get themselves established yeah. and have a family <laughs> and not be destitute. Yeah. Not only Keith, you found more creative energy for doing what you're doing now, regardless of how many people are, you know, it's something that's new, so you gotta grow. Mm -hmm. But the creative energy is greater than for anything you've done in a long time, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, and it is, uh, uh, I get to do a level of creativity in my, you know, my Joe job, um, but having the having the blog as an outlet to say stuff from my own heart and brain um, is really rewarding, and kind of play. And, and I now have an opportunity to play in a couple of different ways. Uh, you know, I've gotten back into reviewing because I've opened up a bit of time. Um, I'm playing with some YouTube stuff because I just want to see what that's like. I never, I had never done that. You know, five years of audio podcasts, I had never stuck a camera in my own face and talked. No, we're appreciative. Yeah, oh. yeah. How <laughs> <laughs> about everybody else? What is everybody else's final thoughts? I guess because now it's time, probably. Final thoughts around the room of everything, uh, starting with Travis. All right. Um, Aaron, you did a very good job there, sort of 
making a final. That was your final. No, I'm just, I'm just sort of saying because I mean, you were talking about like Alex. You had asked around the room about who was doing it or whatnot. And, um, don't like one of the things for me that a long time that happened is. Remember, a friend of mine told me that he said the quote, "Comparison is the thief of joy," and you know you see like. People that are that are here in Calgary that have become really big comic book artists and writers and people in Alberta. So you compare yourself, like and things like that. And again, we also talked about this, Nick, you and I. We made the point about like identity as an artist and that just changing of priorities and trying to make sure that you your identity as a person is not specifically tied just to being a successful artist. Otherwise, you might never be happy. And so, yeah, that's my only word of wisdom that we've that coming out of this that I can really say is that it's this has been very um, therapeutic in a way because I think it's got a lot of stuff that I think a lot of people get frustrated by and that have questions about, and I think it's just been helpful that there's a little bit of a kindred spirit there if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I feel better now. You know, <laughs> Keith, any final thoughts or first thoughts in your case? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't quite got settled in yet. <laughs> I, I think that uh, I, I absolutely agree that um, marking your own success by comparing it to someone else is never going to make you happy. Um, if your goal is to impact um, you know, the world as a whole, you're probably going to fail. Um, but if your goal is to have your storytelling and your art impact even one person and change who they are, then you're going to succeed. Nick? Um, final thoughts. All right. Um, yeah, I think um, I went through a huge change a couple years ago when I got a dream job at an animation studio. And uh, it was everything I could have uh, ever hoped for. And I went to this huge depression because I wasn't happy, blissfully. <laughs> um, and I realized that uh, for a long time I had been making um, my life as an artist or my success as an artist, my only source of joy and my goal. And when I finally achieved it and everything wasn't perfect, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Um, so that was like a huge incentive to reassess um, everything and really see what in my life had value. And that's kind of what led me to this place where I just, I try to focus on stories that mean a lot to me. And however long it takes for them to come out, so be it. Um, and I admit that I'm super fortunate to have that attitude, but then at the same time be working in comics right now, just all the timing worked out really luckily. But I feel confident that even when things like change and I have to get like a like part-time job or I'm doing teaching and stuff now to supplement that, uh, I feel a little bit better knowing that it isn't just comics that make who I am and my priorities are a little more, you know, balanced, so. Yeah, woo, that's emotional. <laughs> Uh, I have no wisdom. I'm just here to observe you guys' <laughs> wisdom. So I actually want to thank our hosts for putting this on. The okay. summit's always yeah. wonderful, and I kind of missed it last year. So thank you, Mo and Chris. Yeah, and I don't think it'll be too long before we have another one. I don't think it'll be. Certainly won't be. Uh, yeah, it won't be too long. Won't be too long. Maybe. Someone actually reads the thing. What are you guys doing next Wednesday? <laughs> 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 Lee. Um. Wisdom. I don't know that I'm old enough to have wisdom yet. At least I don't want to be old enough to have wisdom yet. So, um, I don't know. I would just encourage everybody to continue creating and think about legacy. You know, um, just because your stuff isn't working out right now, 
It doesn't mean in 60 years someone's not going to find it and be like, this is the greatest person that ever lived. I mean, you know, just think about creating for the sake of creating and just love what you do. Are you really that excited about yeah. Marvel's legacy? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, personal legacy, like as creators, you know, I mean, um, I think sometimes we get hung up thinking about, you know, like, are the people that are around me right now going to respond to this and purchase it? And sometimes, you know, it's like, um, I can't remember his name right now. I've been trying to think of it ever since this got brought up. But uh, who's the guy that cut his own ear off? Go, Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Van Gogh was a nobody in his time. Yeah, there you go. So I'm just saying, you know, just keep creating because you love it. I think Aaron's 100% right. Chelsea? Um, I also want to thank you guys for organizing well, this. This is all about you guys. So. <laughs> because um, I'm starting to realize how important it is to have a community of people to share and, and learn from because I certainly feel better as well um, because I do, over time, creating in my little corner, um, the, the reason that I'm doing this and I start getting hung up on sales and things like that. So it's, I feel like my attitude is kind of back where it should be now. So thank you. So you're welcome. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Alex? Uh, well, I'm sorry, I missed most of it. You can listen to it on We Talk <laughs> Podcast. Pause it and then say things and then carry on. Feel free to tweet those out. Yeah, I just uh, remind everybody that, that we are a community that kind of lives close to each other and we shouldn't be shy about talking to each other. Even if it's just a quick question or some support or you know, reaching out, because it's easy to get isolated when we're just working away and doing things. Um, and this is a really friendly bunch of people to, to be around. Cool. Um, thank you all. I know I'm not quite out of the element, but you know, you guys are very comic based. I really appreciate hearing everything you've said, listening meeting some old faces and new ones. Um, this has been really cool. I've uh, really enjoyed it. And appreciative of the fact that I am not alone in the, you know, the ever-going climb up to wherever it is I'm going to be, but just enjoying the fact of doing it. So thanks to all of you. This, this was awesome. And I'd love to come back. Stephanie. Um, yeah, I, I also regret not being able to get here earlier, but I'm glad I came and joined in when I did. Um, what I wanted to say is actually very sim similar to Alexander, is that all of us have different strengths, and uh, we should really try to reach out and draw from each other's strengths. And, um, like, for example, these problems with press releases already, you have offers to help you with your press release, stuff like that. So I have a blog, and I'm offering up, you know, stuff on my blog. I've, I've interviewed Nick, who was awesome and fun. I have other ones coming up soon. I know I want to talk about Comic Central pretty soon. But um, yeah, and a few years ago, this actually kind of inspired me a bit too, because a few years ago I used to offer this thing at Calgary Expo every now and then. And it was a panel called, I think I called it Social Media for Creative Types. And um, I may have had, you know, seven people in attendance <laughs> at this panel, but the response was very positive. And just coming here, sitting around with you guys makes me realize, you know, I do have a lot to give to this community, too. So if, if uh, anyone needs help with something, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to me or I'm sure everyone else, too. Just ask each other. 
and uh, we can build each other and make each other stronger. Wrap it up. Awesome. Well, you know, I, I think we learned a lot. I think that uh, also we got the chance to find out some things that we can that we can all do that are simple and effective and just ways to help, you know, kind of boost everybody else up. So overall, I want to thank everybody for coming, and I hope that everybody truly did get something out of it. So thanks very much. Always. Awesome. Do I clap? And now we have to clean up in uh, 15 minutes.